You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, who have been telling Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. Follow them online at oklahomahof.com, and then definitely follow them on Instagram for all the information that you need, because I'm sure that's where you follow us as well, at oklahomahof. Let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hone here, your host, back with another episode uh, in Oklahoma City today at JD Adams & Co. Fly Fishing Outfitters. Josh, good to catch up again. Um, excited to dive into the story. I got four guys here who are going to talk about fly fishing and opening up a store and I guess your Oklahoma stories as well because we got plenty of time to talk about Oklahoma fishing and and probably a lot of people don't understand or don't know that Oklahoma is very rich for fishing and I know what's his name um, Governor Pinal's pushing fishing and the fishing trail and all that kind of stuff so I guess Josh I want to kick it off with who you are and and I guess why I mean why are we here today uh, yeah uh, so I'm Josh Stratton and uh, I have my partners with me Tom Adams and Daniel Orr and Steve Reese and we are a motley crew of uh, fly fishing uh, addicts if you will um, we, we are here because we have a deep passion uh, and a life commitment to the sport of fly fishing and heard and saw the need uh, to open a shop that really uh, catered to the novice and the avid fly angler in the state of Oklahoma. And we figured we'd tell you a bit more about who we are and why we're here. Yeah. Tom, you go ahead. Introduce yourself. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tom Adams. Uh, how I got shanghaied into this group, I have <laughs> no idea. But, uh, no, we've been buddies for quite a while. And uh, the timing was right. And uh, the stars aligned, and uh, things came together, and uh, it should be uh, should be a lot of fun, a lot of experience here with uh, the four amigos here. So it's uh, it's going to be a good time, and uh, I think our uh, our our group of fly fishers in Central Oklahoma are waiting for us. They're ready to go, so yeah. we're anxious to get rolling. Yeah, Steve, how about you? Uh, well, uh, obviously, I'm the senior member of the group <laughs> in more ways than one. Uh, I've just I've had the extreme blessing to be able to fish in a lot of places around the world, and uh, you know the, we've needed a fly shop in Oklahoma City for a long time. You know we've um, a good fly shop, and that's mm-hmm. what this is going to be. Uh, we'll have a a great place for people to come, hang out. You know, um, all fishermen lie, and this yeah, is yeah. be a great place to come tell your lies. <laughs> <laughs> right. You hear the same story like well, four or five times. The fish keeps getting bigger and bigger every time. Right? Yeah. Why the keeps getting worse? Absolutely. Yeah. You're up. What's up? Who are you? What do you do? Why do you do it? Uh, my name's Dan, and uh, for all intent purposes, I am uh, the professor of this group. Mm-hmm. Um, self-proclaimed. Self-proclaimed. They won't allow me to say what I really want to say, but. Um, nah, man, I'm just super stoked that we're opening this fly shop together. Like Tom said, we've, we've all kind of been friends in one shape or form, fished together for a while. And um, we decided to have this crazy idea to open up a retail space. <laughs> so um, the buzz is out, man. Yeah. And uh, we're starting to feel the pressure of that a little bit, I think. Uh, because so many people are uh, itching for this thing to get open. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're getting a lot of feedback on social media and places like that about, you know, what's what's going to happen with the shop. So we're uh, we're pretty jazzed up about yeah. it. Yeah. When is opening day? Do we have like a set date? Um, Tentatively? You know, I, I think it changes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Just, I mean, I think the reality is we want to open it when it's right. Um, and... And what that means to us is uh, the correct representation of products needed. And um, like everyone, we're dealing a little bit with some supply chain slowdown, but mm-hmm. really pleased with um, the selection of products that are on hand and on their way here. And so I think realistically, you know, sometime in the second week of April, yeah. um, we'll have a grand opening. But we, we hope to soft open here in the next, you know, 10 to 12 days with the doors being open. We have a, 
a big um, film tour event with the International Fly Fishing Film Festival that we're bringing to uh, Cross Timbers Brewery on March 24th. You can purchase tickets on our Facebook page at JD Adams Co. Uh, under events. Um, but so we hope to be open when that's going on, mm -hmm. so uh, people can swing by and maybe the day before <laughs> pick up some hard tickets, or they can pick them up from us uh, there at the brewery. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, just chatting to you guys before we started recording, it seems like there is a real kind of community and a, and a just a, a, I mean, a, a vibe around just fly fishing in the state in general and, and obviously a real need to have a store and a center and a home for all these people to come hang out. It's, I get the feeling it's not just going to be a store to sell stuff. It's going to be a community place to come have a, you know, hang out. Absolutely. Like I said, tell stories if some of them are true, great, who are, you know, some of them aren't, whatever it is, but just to, you know, a place and a center, you know, uh, and a hub, I guess, for, you know, community and, and just to kind of breed not just fishing, but you I know, think you know this. I, I guess for me, I want like one of the messages. I want people to be patient. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, because when they walk in here, it's not going to be everything they ever imagined. You know what I mean? I mean, this is this is going to be a, this is a, a a marathon. You know, it's definitely yeah. not a sprint. And a lot of that circled around, again, the availability of product and obviously us taking our time and kind of setting this thing up so we succeed in the end rather than, you know, kind of blow the doors open and then right. fizzle out, you know what I mean? So it'll take some time for us to really fill the shop with, with a lot of things. And obviously, you know, people are going to want to, mm -hmm. you know, add some of their own flavor maybe in here as well so you know we just want to make sure that we do it correctly and yeah and everything is uh, so far i think we've been pretty meticulous about about everything and this and to be honest with you where we're at right now this is and i i told steve this the other this is not the sexy part of opening a retail space i mean this <laughs> is all the in the trench work you know what i mean yeah. so the sexy part comes when we open the doors and we get customers in here. That's the fun part. You know, this is all the, the hard work and all the decision making mm -hmm. and all that fun stuff. So it'll be it, it'll be fun once we get the doors yeah. open. When you when you think about like Oklahoma and fly fishing, I think most people like myself who have generally no idea would probably think, oh, you've seen pictures of people in broken boats, you know, in down the river wading and fishing down there. I get the sense it's not just the only place that you would go fly fishing though, right? Where do you guys generally go for that stuff? So, yeah, one of our kind of hashtags and slogans is fly fish the prairie. Okay. Uh, and one of our goals is to help um, educate uh, people about the diversity of fishing in mm -hmm. the prairie. And the prairie is this diverse thing, right? It's from, you know, there's prairies in Oklahoma, there's prairies in Canada, right? There's yeah. prairies in, in Wyoming, there's prairies in Colorado. Um, and so what, is, what does that mean? What does that look like? And it's as diverse as small spring-fed creeks to large man-made bodies of water. And there's a different technique uh, to fishing all of those and a wide variety of species that you're targeting in all of those um, different waterways. And so over a period of time, we hope to roll out educational programs and trips um, and experiences that help people um, learn about those places, uh, create memories in those places, and most importantly, um, learn the skills and the confidence to be able to go out on their own and, and really integrate fly fishing into how they live their life. Yeah. Um, I, I would agree. I think a good fair amount of people, when you say fly fishing, they just think trout and they just think a river. Um, and we live in warm water fishery. Um, and so trout, though heavily pursued by a lot of people, ourselves included and friends of ours, uh, for me, that's not what I think about when I think about Oklahoma fly fishing. I think about smallies and I think about uh, hybrids and I think about white bass running and I think about uh, stripers and you know mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So um, it's diverse and one of the great advantages that we have as an organization is we have Tom Adams who um, if you've done anything in outdoor recreation in the last three plus decades, uh, there's a really good chance you've met Tom and he's helped you accomplish your goals um, or at least uh, take a step out of your comfort zone and experience something new. And 
So the desire to open the shop also came from historical knowledge of, of Tom saying, hey, there's people here who aren't being served, and I think we can do it better than anyone else mm-hmm. can. And, you know, 35 years of local experience, uh, relationships uh, really gives us a foot up, I think, on, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of, uh, in a lot of areas. Yeah. Tom, what got you into it originally? Uh, you know, I... Years ago, uh, I was probably a little rock climbing and then on to just some backpacking in Colorado. Mm-hmm. You know, some family and friends from, you know, church and like you know, a couple of dads when we were in middle school said, hey, we want to go scout this area for hunting. And we all said, hey, can we go with you? So the backpacking thing started with them. But uh, yeah, just to love the outdoors. Got a degree in business management. I'm not a MBA guy and I'm definitely not a guy that wants to wear a suit. So... I look for another opportunity and, and uh, coming to work for Backwoods 35 years ago as an assistant manager was the place to start. So uh, yeah, good times and just building a great relationship with folks that uh, have just gone on for years. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, having that store been closed now a year, I miss my people. So that's kind of one of the things that, you know, we'll you know build those relationships and keep those relationships going. and. You know, just disperse information of where to go, what fly to use, you know, some successes we have had. Um, all of that goes into just building friendships. Mm-hmm. And those friendships uh, uh, are solid. I mean, they, they'll come back and, you know, mm-hmm. help you in this or that and the other thing. I mean, all of us have friends that are going, man, can we come up and sling some paint? You know, can we yeah. help you move in? Can we put stickers on product? You tell us and we'll be there. So that's the kind of community we, we live in. So that's what we're looking forward to. Yeah. So, but uh, having been in it a lot of years and seeing kind of a full circle, get somebody ready to go on a trip, they come back and bring a picture of the trip or a fish they caught or something. That's the full circle. That's yeah. the good stuff right there. Well, and there's something to be said about like just being outdoors too, yeah. right? Because, mm-hmm. and, and you know, it's not generally the sense that I get as well like I don't really have a lot of experience doing this but I get the sense that if you love the outdoors you don't just go fly fishing you might hunt as well and you know you follow the seasons don't you so it's a good you know it's not just like you know this is my thing I only do this you know you might go out and hunt as well and and you guys share the love of the outdoors Mm -hmm. and meet people along the way and like I said that breeds into other friendships and it circles back to whatever you know that can do but it's I mean, the love of outdoors is, is, I mean, anyone listening who knows, you know, the fact they like to be outdoors and even if it's just riding a bike outdoors, like it's, I think more people need to go outdoors is what I'm trying to get at. Like, a, you know, sorry, yeah, sorry about that, but uh, more and more there's evidence, you know, uh, through studies that just taking a walk in the woods mm-hmm. is as good as any Zantac that you want to take. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've, I guide for Beaver's Bend Fly Shop down in Broken Bow, and I guide for Native Waters and other places around Oklahoma as well. And I've often said, you know, well, we're just not curing, we're not out here curing cancer. You know, we're just trying to catch a trout that's got the brain the size of a peanut. And at the end of the day, the more I've thought about it, the more I realize we actually may be curing cancer in some ways. And so, you know, there's a, there's a, a huge passion for the outdoor uh, for the uh, for the resource, uh, managing that resource appropriately, and so, and this is a great way to do it. You know, open a fly shop, let people come in, share their experiences. You know, pick up some goods while they're here, get them outfitted for the next trip, and um, post some pictures. Yeah. That's what it's about. Yeah, you got to utilize utilize that power of social media, right? That's going to help you guys a yeah. ton, especially opening up a new business, getting the word out, and telling stories and. I mean, I talked to Joshua, we talked a lot about content and how that helps out. And, you know, it's, it's very easy to do. It's just the time it takes to do it. You know, and I, I think it's really important for people to understand that fly fishing is a vehicle to do, to get to someplace, mm-hmm. right? Um, so when you put that fly rod in your hand, that's going to take you somewhere. And generally, it's going to take you somewhere that is really beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. And... <clears throat> Don't get me wrong, you know, we, I fished in some places that, you know, you might be stepping over, you know, something in the, in the weeds or something. But generally, when you put that flight rod in your hand, you're, you're standing someplace that, you know, is, is really pretty, mm-hmm. you know. 
and I want people to fish the way they want to fish. Yeah. Right? Like whether it's with a fly rod, if it's a spinning rod, if it's a live bait or whatever they, mm-hmm. however they want to do it. If it, if it gets them motivated to get outside, I think that's what's important. And we can be the catalyst for that. Right. So guy comes in, never matter of fact, a guy just, he just uh, followed me on Instagram. He's a barber. I think he's been fishing four times Mm -hmm. and he's probably going to come to the store, you know, and hopefully we can be the catalyst for him to get out and fish more, you know, not to mention we're like Josh said, we're kind of a knowledge hub. Right. I mean, and it's just not us four. I mean, there'll be other people in the store that may have other Mm -hmm. experiences and knowledges that maybe we don't have. And, and that's okay too. Yes. This is, this is kind of where it's at. This is kind of the barbershop for fly fishing. Right. Barbershop is where you go and dudes are telling lies and, you know, all the world's problems are solved in the barbershop and the bar, right? And so hopefully we can be the, the, the kind of the barbershop. Yeah, for, that, that was going to be my next question for someone like myself coming in who has like an interest for being outdoors but has no idea how to, you know, hold a rod, put a put bait on hook, whatever it is. Like, you know, you guys going to have lessons set up or people to refer to i mean i know you just mentioned you know you've done tours and stuff but with the amount of knowledge that you'll have here with not just you guys but the customers you can take care of pretty much everyone that comes in the door yeah and i, I feel like we'll be able to take care of a person like yourself that's never done it before all the way to someone like these guys who's been fishing for a really long time yeah um and you know you can always learn something from someone else you know especially in this arena because you'll never know it all man right there's just too much information out there for anybody to to i would say um to know it all and i was listening to this deal and a guy named larry dahlberg he's uh he invented the dahlberg diver fly Mm -hmm. and he has this saying about don't look at the world through a keyhole because you're not going to be able to see everything. Right. And hopefully we'll be able to expand people, you know, folks' knowledge about either just being outside. Because, I mean, Tom's not just a fly angler. I mean, dude, backpacks, he hikes, he, you know, all those things. So even though we're not going to be selling that kind of stuff, I mean, we still can be a reference point. It's a part of the world that you're going to be Absolutely. in anyway. Yeah. We got to hike to places to get right. to fish sometimes, you know, so... Yeah, it's one of the, one of the other things too is, like, you know, for for me as well. Like, and I might speak to a lot of people listening that are just coming into this. They have no idea. Like, there's so many different types of fishing. Fly fishing has got to be up there with the hardest to learn. Right, it takes the longest to to kind of, would you say, master the craft because of the action. You know, you're not just out on a boat deep sea fishing, just putting a rod out there and drinking beers and having a great time, getting suntan, right? Yeah, I mean, so I think um, it's often, it looks more complicated than it is. Mm-hmm. Um, just like golf, you know, going back to your passion, right? Um, a the, the shaft of a fly rod is made literally in the same factory as the shaft of your golf club. Yeah. <clears throat> it's the same technology that goes into it. And so... Um, just like someone who tried to teach themselves how to play golf and then they decided they were going to get serious and an instructor has to come in and fix all the terrible things <laughs> right. that they do. The fa- build right. foundation. And, they've made the, and they've made that craft or that pursuit that much harder for them because they started in the wrong place. Gotcha. Fly fishing is the exact same way. There are some very simple pr- principles um, that can be practiced that can help you excel uh, at fishing at fly fishing a lot faster if you'll just go ask for help. Yeah. Um, and the other reality is I think a lot of people see guys who've been in fly fishing for a long time and, you know, our egos get in the way and, you know, we decide to show someone how far we can cast. And, uh, we often probably make it harder on ourselves than it needs to be when the reality is if you can cast 15 to 20 feet, you can be pretty darn successful at fly fishing in a lot of different areas in a lot of different states. And um, so going back to, can we serve everyone? Of course, and we believe that education is a really important part of someone living outdoors, whether you're a hunter, an angler, wildlife photographer, whatever it may be, um, learning those skills from someone who has the knowledge and the experience is a really wonderful way to start. 
uh, and will open doors for you to continue to grow. And then the other part of that is um, we really believe that what we have in our backyard is pretty awesome. And getting people excited about just fishing in their backyard, whether that's a city pond or water treatment runoff or, you know, the, some ponds on the edge of Lake Hefner. There are plenty of really great opportunities to just learn the sport of fly fishing. And Dan mentioned earlier that he, we've been pretty intentional about the brands that we've brought in. We've also been really intentional about the price point of the products that we've brought in. And we don't want anyone to feel like there's not a space for them in fly fishing because of some economic barrier. So we've intentionally find, found entry points into the sport with brands who we know their products can be trusted, that offer exceptional customer service, that offer uh, strong warranties on their products because inevitably you are gonna break a fly rod. We've all done it. Mm -hmm. uh, whether from not paying attention and rolling the window up on a fly rod or trying to sneak out of a door or catching that fish of a lifetime, and inevitably something goes wrong. And so, we're here to be a vessel of our experiences. We're here to be a catalyst um, for people to look at life, as Dan said, through a different lens and what they viewed it for. It is about just simply getting outdoors. Mm -hmm. I know for myself, it's this wild places and access to them are wildly important um, to me and, and creating those opportunities for other people. And I know that that echoes through every one of my partners here about why we're here to do this and do we think that fly fishing is a pretty great way to go experience the world for sure you get to meet some wonderful people um and oklahoma is not short on wonderful people who mm -hmm. like to have a fly rod in their hand and there's a sense of community there uh, steve gets to witness it on a pretty regular basis being an active guide but people who are there to share knowledge who want to see other people succeed who uh, deeply care about um, the quality of time that you're having when you're on the river or fishing a lake and um, there aren't a whole lot of places in life it seems like that still exists right. and so I think the fly fishing community or the outdoors community in general is is a really inviting safe place um, to get away from what is a pretty chaotic world we live in these days mm -hmm. yeah the quietness of outdoors is it's, it's soothing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, just the running water and being outdoors, and especially down kind of in the Broken Bow area, Steve. I mean, it's, I've been down there a couple of times, and it is. I mean, down there off-season, in like it's on a Tuesday and a Wednesday, and that's probably the happiest I've ever been down there because I know on the weekend, especially this weekend, it's probably chaos down there it's, at the moment, right? Yeah, pretty busy. You know, <laughs> they haven't sorted out the infrastructure yet at Broken Bow, but I'm sure they will figure it out at some point. Um, I guess the, the cool thing is that, you know, being on, on the guide side, you get to meet people like myself from all, you know, all people who have, you know, you, you I'm sure you've heard all the stories. You've probably got some old boy coming in saying, I've done this for 40 years and I'm going to teach you something. <laughs> oh, you've got someone, you know, coming in there with just happy or, you know, guys going down for a guy's trip, just want to go and experience something. But then, you know, you're in a unique position because you're the, probably the first person that opens that door to the, to the outside for them, right? And you get to kind of say, hey, like, if you have a great experience here, you can either, you know, continue this and now we have a store to, you know, I can fully take care of you basically yeah. and then kind of open them up. So yeah, that's, what's, uh, what's, that's a cool, cool position to be in. Yeah, what's so fascinating is that, uh, you know, guiding kind of even has been and, and Tom's guided down there, son, so is Dan as well but what's what's so interesting about that is the number of people that have never held a fly rod mm -hmm. show up down there to do a half day trip and you know going back to the golf conversation you know uh, my daughter played professional golf as we talked about mm -hmm. I was her first swing coach and so I understand the golf swing very very well yeah. and what happened is you know of course you can't be a really good golfer and be a really good fly fisherman at the end of the day. You know, you've got to pick and choose. And, and uh, but anyway, uh, when you're down there on the river and you've got these newbies that have never held a fly rod and you find out they played golf, it's all the same. Mm -hmm. And suddenly they, they understand the swing mechanics and they can understand the rod loading and unloading very much you do with a golf club. Gotcha. And, uh, 
those guys and girls, girls are killing it, man. They're just doing great on the river right now. Uh, it all translates very, very well. And um, it's just a lot of fun, you know, especially yeah. when you see them catch their first trout ever, you know, on a fly right. rod. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you think like the kind of, I mean, the, the generation that's kind of like, I guess in college right now, or like the high school to, I guess, 25 generation, that 10 year gap, they probably never, I mean, the reason they never touched a fly rod is because they never had, I guess, their father's generation probably didn't say, come on, let's go fishing, yeah. right? Like that is, we're losing that. Like my dad never said that to me. I think I went fishing once on, you know, and that was on vacation maybe. Mm -hmm. But you know, like, I mean, I guess, I mean, I'm 31. So from 31 to 15, you know, you're not having anyone grow up and their dads are not saying, come on, let's go out this weekend. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they might be doing other things. So. Yeah. so regionally, I mean, we're, we're, we're blessed that that happens more here yeah. in, in Oklahoma than some other states. We have um, not only one of the nation's leading wildlife departments, multiple award-winning people taking care of our resources here mm -hmm. in the state of Oklahoma, but we also have a very healthy um, hunting and fishing population. So we have uh, north of 650,000 registered residential hunters um, in Oklahoma, and we have over 1.2 million registered anglers in Oklahoma. Wow, that's a massive number. I did not expect yeah. you to say that. <laughs> yeah. So the fishing community in general, I think a lot of people think of Oklahoma as a hunting state, right? Um, which is interesting because we have more lakes yeah, I think we have the, we're the third we have the third third highest number of lakes of any state in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, it may be higher than that. I can't exactly remember off the top of my head, but in the last two years since COVID has happened, uh, the hunting industry nationally has gained over a million new hunters. Uh, we continue to see a healthy increase um, in in people coming into fishing and sport fishing. Uh, the female demographic in the fishing industry is one of the fastest growing demographics, but we're also seeing significant growth in BIPOC populations, um, particularly with African-Americans and Hispanics. Um, and so it's often something that's overlooked. I mean, there was a point in a time not too many years ago here in Oklahoma that in, in three or four years ago where the outdoor recreational industry in the state of Oklahoma generated $10.2 billion in revenue for the state, 96,000 jobs. Yeah. Um, it was a significant force and it still is. There's been a slight decline over the last couple of years. And some of that is, I think actually the reporting is getting better. I actually think that, that has, uh, so we've seen some dip in some of those numbers, but it's still a really important part of the economic stability in the state of Oklahoma. But going back to the change in cultural traditions of is this sport or this way of life being passed on? Mm -hmm. It is, is it in the numbers it used to be? No, probably not. But what, and going back to Steve's point earlier about hard scientific data, there was a 15 or a yeah, 15 year study done in Japan and in Europe about uh, specifically looking at urbanization through the lens of youth being detached from wild places. And what they found at the end of that study that with children who are raised in quote unquote urban environments um, who didn't have a consistent outlet to engage uh, or recreate in wild places, they saw an increase in uh, psychosis, they saw in, in that being schizophrenia, ADHD, bipolar disorder, depression, they saw an increase in um, a lack of ability to maintain weight or mm -hmm. an increase in obesity. And the, so there was this big intentional shift in their education systems to figure out how do we increase that outdoor activation um, because it does go above and beyond. It's, it's actually part of maintaining mental health um, is involved with getting outdoors and, and getting away from the concrete and getting away from uh, the hustle and bustle of things. There's, there's uh, thing, intangibles there that happen. Yeah. Um, I think guys in this room, myself included, see a strong connection between 
wild places and what Christ calls us to and, and what can happen to us in a re- redeeming and renewal way as we go and explore um, different rivers and lakes and spend that time with the ones we love and uh, grow in a community that's supportive. So, yeah, if we can, if we can be that, uh, if we can be that bridge mm-hmm. between uh, youth who don't have the opportunity and they can walk in here. And, I mean, I met Tom Adams when I was 14 years old and I was that kid who would come and hang out in backwoods and, you know, he didn't run me off too many times. Um, and that led to me becoming a fly fishing guide at, you know, 18, 19 years old. And a lot of that came because I had a place to go hang out. I, mm-hmm. I had... Um, a resource of knowledge and someone who was supportive of me and to be able to do that down the road I think um, yeah. is super important and exciting yeah it's, I mean you you guys obviously have a great relationship between yourselves but you know you can obviously relate to that kid coming in because you were that kid coming into a store um, and shout out to backwards for not being around because you guys probably wouldn't have a store right <laughs> you know this wouldn't be happening maybe if, if, they, if they were around uh, but clearly there's a real need to build a community around fly fishing uh, in this city and, and state. Uh, what are you guys most excited about? I guess I mean, we're getting down to crunch time. This thing's going to be open in a couple of weeks, right? Beginners. I mean, you know, yeah. That's what I'm excited about because <clears throat> when a guy starts fishing, and it doesn't matter what discipline of fishing, whether it's fly fishing or, you know, mm-hmm. conventional fishing, and, and just kind of to your point, fly fishing is hard. Yeah. It's not easy. You have to practice. It's a perishable skill, right? It's just like anything else. It's like shooting or, you know, speaking another language or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's a perishable skill, but it's not hard to learn. But it's it, there are things within fly fishing that can be difficult, right? Yeah. It, it can be a challenging way to fish. Let's just say that. But people, a beginner guy, he's wanting to catch one fish. And once he catches that fish, he's going to tell everybody. Then he's going to want to catch two fish mm-hmm. or a lot of fish, right? And then he's going to want to catch a big fish. And then he's going to want to start hunting fish, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us are kind of a hodgepodge of all, all of those things. Like sometimes we want to catch a ton of fish. Sometimes we got our eye on a fish that we want to go hunt, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where it becomes, that's where you see like the big shift you know, when people are really trying to hone in that craft and they're actually hunting up these fish that, right. that are big. I mean, there's Oklahoma has some massive fish, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, and not just in the trout world. There's some there's some good sized trout that yeah. we get thrown in, in some of these rivers. But I mean, there's some striper out there that are that'll ruin your day. You know what I mean? And will ruin your fly rod if you're yeah. not careful. And so that's what. I like to see is when people come in, I'm motivated to hear their stories like, here's these chopsticks that this freaking striper just turned my fly rod into, you know, I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, that, that to me, that's motivating. Yeah. You know? um, I don't necessarily have to catch the big, if he catches it, I'm jazzed up. Right. It, just as much as it was me catching it, you know. Matter of fact, we got our eye on a fish right now that needs a hook in his face. And <laughs> yeah, real bad. Real bad. Like all yeah. through, we got we we I, we've seen this fish. Yeah, it is. It needs to have a hook in its mouth. So, <laughs> but that's what's really jazzed up for me. Honestly, I'm excited to have people come in from the most experienced guy out there all the way to the guy that's never done it yeah. before. So. Where was that fish that you guys saw that was like... I can't tell you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, a secret. Fish. It's officially known as Nenya Creek, like Nenya Business. Yeah, Nenya Business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, to that point, though, like there's... Like I said, you, you, you evolve through, through the skill level, don't you? And you get to a point where you're crossing off fish, right? Like I said, you're hunting them. You're like, I've got this one. Now I'm going to go after this one. And then, it, you know, it, it just kind of ties you in and it, it goes far further than I'm just going to go catch a fish. It becomes more of a game and it gets more competitive, mm-hmm. you know. And then, well, that's how you turn it into a craft. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you, you know, it's like with anything, you know, Formula One racing. Like I love Formula One racing, yeah. right? Hey, I would never fit in that vehicle, right? <laughs> but I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Those guys that are operating at that level have honed their skills. Even if you're like right. P1 
12 on yeah. pole position, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're the best 20 you're drivers the in the best world. Yeah, yeah. In the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and I think, you know, and that's what's really great about yeah. this is you're always chasing that, right? Yeah, you're yeah, chasing yeah. that one ginormous fish or um, or even if it's a little small pretty fish, mm-hmm. you know, you're still chasing something. So I, I, I don't know, for me, that's that's really the, yeah. the neat part about it. And the other part about that is, is fly time. Mm-hmm. You know, all of us in here love getting behind the vice, man. Yeah. And that's, I probably... Well, not all of us, but yeah, mo- most of, us, of them. Most of us. Me, I'm probably, I indulge a little bit. Um, I'm a little heavy-handed on the bourbon when I'm behind the vice, but... So uh, who knows what my flies are going to look like when, I, <laughs> when I'm about five in, you know? <laughs> but, but, I mean, that's the other part of it, too. I mean, all these guys tie, you know? Yeah. And some of us tie the more utilitarian style. We're tying to fill our boxes or we're tying for clients or, you know, whatever that may look like, man. But fly tying is a huge part of, of what we do as well. Yeah. So that whole section back there is yeah. all fly tying. That's what that's going to be. That yeah. corner back there. Yeah. So, I mean, we want to be able to give people, when they walk back there, they're going to be like, oh, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. Mm-hmm. Or this is where I'm going to spend my life savings, one of the two. So, who knows? Yeah. Just like golf, you can dive into the equipment real quick, right? Yeah. And it can get yeah. super fancy. And I'm sure just in, in, like in golf, you have people who show up who have all the gear and no idea as well. Those are like the people who you like to humble a little bit. We, we, like we, in most sports, You've right? seen those people on the river. I know those You're people, like, yeah. man, they got all the things yeah. right and it's like do you know how to use any of that yeah. right? like you look really like, cool come by the store I'd love to show you how to use all that gear that you have yeah they, they uh, just stepped out of the Orvis catalog I know yeah. 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 So, yeah yeah those guys are decked out man They're that's decked. okay you know. and, and that you know going you, you mentioned earlier about you assume this place would be a place uh, to hang out as well and you know, to expand upon that, we'll have vices set up all the time back in our fly tying area for guys who want to swing by and yeah. tie some vices. And we're going to put a TV up there in that back corner, and um, it can be a place for for someone to come and hang out. And in the middle of our shop, we'll have a big. Uh, it continues to increase in size. Uh, the, <laughs> the TV, TV is growing. Yeah, yeah. it just keeps growing. I think it's going to be a projector at the end yeah, of the day. It's, uh, but you know, big old eighty-five inch TV there that'll. Yeah. Uh, have everything from fishing documentary films to it's a fall day on you know fall Saturday and yeah. have the OSU or OU game on and, and we want guys to feel like they can come here and you know grab a coffee or you know grab a, a beer out of the cooler from Cross Timber Brewery or um, and, and hang out and and become more than customers but become friends and become people that we have an opportunity to to travel the country with and to travel the world with yeah. and you know with the vast experience of, I think it's something like 74 combined years of professional fly fishing experience between the four of us. And with Steve's uh, obsession for traveling the world uh, with a fly rod, (laughs) it uh, opens the door for us to take people to some really unique places as well. So we have an Alaska trip going out this summer. Um, I think we still have two spots open uh, in that. Uh, We're looking at potentially adding uh, some stuff in South America with Bolivia and uh, Spiritu Santo Bay. We'll have, you know, our local opportunities. We have some private property we also have friends in Arkansas, Colorado, and Louisiana, and the Texas coast, and the Florida Keys, and yeah. you know places that people probably dream about. We've all been really blessed to build relationships with those people in those areas. And so, whether it's a trip that we host or just a connection that we can make, uh, we really want to help people um, expand their boundaries and uh, break down barriers and go experience the world a little differently than maybe they've had an opportunity to up to yeah, this point. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to join you at least on one of those trips because I need to learn, you know, if, if you say naturally I should be a golfer and I should be generally good at this stuff with a little bit of feel, I want to try it for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. Going back to the Steve set, man, I, I, I used to be a guy, this is, is the joke, uh, and I loved it when I got a golfer because yeah. they really do. They understand. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. about timing and feel. That's it. And if you'll calm your mind... A good fly rod will tell you every time when it's ready to be moved. Just mm-hmm. like a good 
stick will let you know when it's time to change directions and head the other way. You can feel that, you know, that shaft mm-hmm. load, and it's the exact same thing yeah. in fly fishing. So when someone said, man, oh, I've never done this, but I'm into golfing, I was like, cha-ching. You're going to be all right in a couple of minutes. That never happened to me, though. I never no. had a client that was like, oh, I golf. I always got the one that was like, I, I knit. Or, you, know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I never got the good, like, you know, all my clients were just like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's like, you're, you're going to have to show me. And so I, I, I don't get that. I, these guys are, yeah. these guys are lucky, man. They, they I, get, I wonder why I never got the opportunity. <laughs> like this hierarchy right like on the, in the guide shops yeah. it must be everybody that i've got man is has been i've had an opportunity to have a couple of anglers that i've guided that were decent you know they were they, they kind of knew their way around yeah. the, the fly rod but for the last like how long have i got like seven years something like that Nah, man. I'm getting, dude, it's dreaming. I will be your fist golfer. If you want to teach me, I will be the fist golfer. Hey, you, you know, <laughs> that, that being said, though, and these guys can attest to that, too, one of the, one of the absolute uh, most satisfying moments yeah. is when you get the guy that shows up that he just stepped out of the Orvis catalog, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And he's got his buddy with him wearing a pair of jeans. <laughs> Never held a fly rod. And, and you begin to break down, you know, where, where they are. Yeah. Experientially, you know, the one guy never held a fly rod. This other guy, you know, right. had experience. And I always like to text my guide buddies. I said, do you get a deep sense of morbid satisfaction when the newbie outfishes the expert? Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, and that happens. These guys get a test of it. Happens. Women. Right. Because, I mean, the good, it's... I mean, I, I, I've met people in golf who are the same way because back to what you said with the foundation, right? You come, you, if you're trying to teach someone who's grown up playing golf and then you bring them in, you have to break them back down. You're teaching someone who doesn't have a foundation, you know, who has zero foundation, so it's easier to teach effectively. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, you have some guy who thinks he comes in and knows it all and just starts throwing it all over the place or hitting it all over the place. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's hard it, for him to turn his brain off and, and get humbled. Yeah, right? yeah. And, you know, that's going back to one of the conversations we were having earlier about the fact that you can never master this sport. No, mm-hmm. it's never. endless. Yeah, and, uh, just like know, golf. I, some of the guys at this table know that I'm really, really technical about this thing. Yeah. I've kind of gone off the deep end on the technical side of it. That's yet, the understatement every, of today. <laughs> and yet, at the end of the day, yeah. the more, it's just like any other educational event or any of the, you know, all your great scientists will say, the more that we know, the more we realize how much we don't know. Mm, right. And so this is a learning experience every single day. And it's so funny. These guys will say the same thing. Women. Many times you will you will learn from somebody that you oh, think you could never learn anything from. And you go, yeah. wow, how did I miss that? So it's 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 a it's a lifelong learning event yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. We we had this conversation just to, you know as we were starting this shop talking about what what does our educational program look like? What are the clinics that we're going to have? What is that and. Uh, someone brought up a specific technique and we were all kind of like yeah i mean i've heard of it but i don't know enough about it right and it's a technique that would be wildly successful for catching bass here in oklahoma and you know this is four guys who you should know. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know? Like, well, guys, we should know. To teach we people. should know, yeah. And, uh, and, we, and, and that's one that I think all of us were like, man, we, we really need to dive into that one and figure that out. Um, because, yeah, I mean, there's just always another facet inside of this thing that you can grow on. And um, I think I spent a lot of my time on the salt and Gulf of Mexico, and so I kind of represent this saltwater aspect. Steve spent a fair amount of time in the salt as well. And Steve also is really adept at Euronymphing, which is a specific pursuit inside of fly fishing or technique in fly fishing. And Tom, Dan loves him some, some largemouth and some ponds, and um, you know, but comes from, came here from Utah seven years ago, so really has a really wonderful understanding of Western streams. 
Tom pretty much fish anything, probably how fish most of, most of us most days. And, you know, so it, it's really wonderful to be surrounded by a group of men who um, are here for the same reasons that, that I am, but also can make me better at what I like to do right. um, just by hanging around them, mostly because, you know, look at them and they look at me and, you know, you get it. But um, I suck, by the way, <laughs> like tremendously. And He's a really good fly tire. He's I, a really good guy, but... I don't know how I've ever caught a fish, to be perfectly honest with you. I cast like crap. Um, Fact. But for some reason, I'm, I've mastered what I, I can do. I can do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And... It's weird. He mentioned me moving here from Utah, man. I was so depressed when I moved here. I, I can understand because why. I was yeah. like, I'm fishing these giant like tailwaters, you know, and big old trout and stuff like that. And I come here, and he'll tell you, like, he was one of the first people I met when I moved to Oklahoma, Josh, and and I was just like, what am I gonna do? Like, I was in this slump, and then I Google fly fishing in Oklahoma, and like, broken boat came up. And then it's kind of all history from there. Yeah. But I was just like, ain't no trout in Oklahoma, you know? But that, again, coming here opened, it broadened my keyhole, right? Yeah. Because start fishing for bass and you can fish for catfish, but I'm not doing it. And <laughs> like all these other fish species, you know You've what I'm saying? You been noodling yet? No, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> listen. Catfish is good for one thing, and that's eating them. Yeah. Right. I don't. I will cut my fly line in half if yeah. if there's one on the end of it, or I'll make somebody else take it off. I'm not touching a catfish. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's not. He's that, he's not joking about that. Like that's not just for the sake of the podcast. Like that's real. He's he just terrified of catfish. He just doesn't touch them. Yeah, it's not going down. Yeah. Like, <laughs> See, yeah. not gar. I've caught gar, toothy fish, you know. And, no problem. But a catfish? Nah, man. And anybody listening to this podcast, well, I have to keep it clean, but I am not touching a catfish. <laughs> Use your imagination. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not yeah. touching a catfish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done it a couple times, I'll tell you yeah. that, but I wasn't excited about it. Well, you know, that's something for you on the, the bass side of things. I mean, that was like a whole new experience for you, right? For oh, yeah. Opened, when you moved here. Dude, it opened up like, I mean, these guys will tell bass is probably, and I'm talking any species of bass, mm -hmm. right? Large mouth, small mouth, you know, striper, whatever. You want to, number one, they, they're excited, they're, they're exciting to fish for, especially if you have a client, because they eat regularly. Trout are fickle, right? Like, mm -hmm. you have to be, unless you're someplace where they're just like, like shooting, you know, fish in a barrel, you know? Trout are super fickle, but man, bass fishing, you put one bug on, you have somebody with you, they're gonna hook something, you know? And that, that's what's exciting is they eat all the time, right? Except in the wintertime, you gotta slow your stuff down a little bit in the winter, but in the summertime, man, like they eat. And that's what's exciting. Like we we wanna feel that tug and it doesn't matter if it's a eight inch bass or a freaking you know, twenty inch bass, those things are fun to catch, man. And they're they're exciting, they jump out of the water, I mean they do all cool sorts of cool stuff, you know. And it gets it gets people, you know, it gets their blood pumping yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Happy days. And, and there's so many different fisheries that you can find them in. Yeah. They're so accessible. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not one river or two rivers. It's pretty much any body of water in right. the state of Oklahoma. There's a good chance you're going to find some bass or something in the bass family in there. And um, I think, you know, for, for me, or at least growing up in Oklahoma, that, that's where I started, right? Mm -hmm. With a bobber and Thunderbird Lake, man. I mean, totally. I, I grew up on... Out that way down in Norman, and you know that's what's wrong with you. That's what's wrong with you. <laughs> I figured it out. <laughs> you swimming around at Thunderbird Lake. That's, <laughs> that's what's wrong with you. <laughs> All the other bad stuff that's going on at that lake. Jeez. Listen, man, that was a great childhood. <laughs> well, you know they, they they touched on some of the fish, but I mean, you think about Oklahoma. There are just so many different. You know, right now, mm -hmm. carp. I mean, that that is a 
that's a target species for fly fishermen. Yeah. You know, they're spooky. Redneck they're, bonefish. They're, 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 they're wary, you know, you know, and, and you know, if you, if you can catch a carp, you can go to the, you know, you can go to the flats and catch a permit mm. at the end of the day. And, mm. that, and that's legit. And so, mm. you know, carp fishing for here in Oklahoma, man, it'll just make you a better permit fisherman on the salt. Yeah. And, uh, permit fisherman, bone fisherman. Yeah. Any, any, anything you got to target where you got to put that fly like on their nose, mm. man. Like it's got to be in the right spot, you know? And all of us, I believe, I, I would say all of us have fished saltwater. And what I like about saltwater is that something is eating something else, right? Like all the time. <laughs> like there's some hungry fish yeah. in the ocean, man. And, you know, and, but like car, like I said, man, those carp, you know, it'll either make you pissed off or you, you'll have some success and catch some giant. I mean, Tom's caught some big fish. He's, he's, mm -hmm. he's, he's pretty quiet. He showed me a picture one time. He caught this giant freaking striper on a rod he shouldn't have been using, right? That thing was, how big was it? Uh, that was a gift. Let's just say it was a gift that was uh, given to me, but uh, no, 35 pounds, so. On the, uh, a uh, five weight, eight weight fly rod. Eight weight, yeah. yeah. So it's one of those magical days yeah. where you catch two or three fish that you know, were fairly new to me angling, you know, just fishing for them, and it just happened to be the day. Um, and just getting a fish like that in, I mean, everything had to be right. Yeah, it's just everything had to be right for it to to happen. And lucky enough to get it in, get some photographs, and turn it loose. Um, so. Um, it, it was an amazing experience, uh, a lot of fun, and yeah, I got the grip and grin to hold that fish up and take some photographs of it and things yeah. like that. But um, yeah, it was just it was so different than what everybody described it because your experiences are, are different every time you go out and go angling. I mean, you're fly fishing for a different species, and you know your experience may be different than the guy that told you about it at the fly shop. You know, it's like all of a sudden it's like man, that, that bass didn't eat the fly he said he was going to eat, but he ate this other one that my dad gave me 25 years ago. Awesome, you know? So, uh, you know, there's so many variables out there. And uh, I think that it's like these guys, for me, it's just learning each time. It's something new. It's something different. Um, every day outdoors is, is, is something different. Uh, it's not a carbon copy of, like, showing up to work and, you know, it's the same 9-to-5 gig. Mm -hmm. When you're outdoors, anything can happen. The wind comes up, cold front blows through, big fish gets you, you're chased off the pond by a big snake or whatever. I mean, it's just it's, it's a ton of fun. It's an adventure every time. So yeah. charges your batteries up pretty fast. But I've had the chance to fish some great places, and uh, it's it really keeps me going back. And I really enjoy some of the small creeks and things too. So it's uh, some of those intimate places where – he has a really pretty sunfish live. I've got a buddy that has a home here in right in central Oklahoma City in those that little creek that flows behind his house. Some of the brightest colored sunfish I've ever seen live in that creek. And the creek is lined with Walmart sacks in the trees. You would not believe how clear the water is. Yeah. You just wouldn't believe it. Mm -hmm. And I've written an article for the paper several years ago about fishing the creeks in Oklahoma City. Um, you know, you can get access to a lot of them, uh, but you just, you're really surprised what's in those creeks. Yeah. You really are. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great adventure and a lot of fun. And sometimes you just need 20 minutes on the way home to kind of charge your batteries up or decompress from the day, whoop out the fly rod, catch a few little bluegill, load it back up, get home, and you're ready to deal with the kids or, you know, the yeah. family or whatever. And you're, you're kind of ready to go again, you know. So. I have a friend who does that. He's yeah. a home inspector, and he's like, he has such a routine that if he has a canceled inspection, he won't move up the next one. He'll just go fish for an hour. There you go. Just, you know, I mean, he has a set time every week that he goes to the post office. Like, he's very regimented. But he, like, and he's always got his rods with him. So, yeah. you know, I call him and say, hey, can you fit this in? He's like, nah, nah, I'm going to go fish. I'm like, all right, see you tomorrow. If you think about it, probably, and I've done this, and I don't recommend it, and I won't say where it's at, but it's about five minutes from here. Maybe not even five minutes. But right over here, there's a drainage ditch, that giant one. 
And one day I was coming home from work and I'm like, well, there's water down there. I wonder if there's any fish in there. I had the bright idea to climb down those rocks, <laughs> like all the way to the bottom. <laughs> and the cart was massive. And they were just piled. This is right over here. Somewhere yeah. right over here. And they were just the water half mile away. Yeah, they were just piled up in there, man. And then I realized I had to climb out. So what I ended up doing was walking in the ditch, like the drainage ditch, down to where you can just get back up. <laughs> the easy way instead of climbing the rocks to get out. And I mean, and that's, it's right here. You know what I mean? And if, if people just have a little bit of, um, like kind of get out of their mundane routine yeah. and, and thinking like, oh, I gotta go to four hours of Broken Bow or, you know, six hours, man, there's a ton of stuff that are just like within minutes, yeah. you know, if, if people would just take a little bit of time, do a little research. One of the things I did and, and, you know, I'll put this out there to the people, man, go get that Oklahoma, like rivers and lake map from, you can get, I think it's like 10 bucks from the ODWC or whatever. Yeah. And there's a lot of ponds in these neighborhoods that are the state, and I don't want to speak incorrectly, but I want to say once they're done building a sub, they have to stock it. Okay. And there's ponds in these neighborhoods that nobody fishes because it's more of a beautification thing. Mm -hmm. Well, some of those ponds, them fish has been there for a minute and they are big and they're hungry mm -hmm. and they want to eat something. They want to hook in their face and I'm the guy to do it. Right. <laughs> Especially and it's in kids, you know, we can't forget about the old kiddos, man. Take those kids. Those are perfect places to take kids because, you know, you're not climbing over stuff. They don't have to hike very far. Just drive around one of these subdivisions, find a pond and give a kid a fly rod and send him on his way, you know. And mm -hmm. all they got to do is be able to swing it around in the air a couple of times and throw it in the water, man. Yeah. And, you know, they'll hold on to it. Yeah, hold on to it. They'll, and they'll catch a fish. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, we used to, yeah, there's a, there's a city pond or a neighborhood pond that friend of ours, Benny and Dane and I, and another one of our Motley crew named Dane. Uh, gosh, that, that, that was always a sight for four eyes, uh, two eyes of four of us all jumping out of rigs with waders on and fly rods in the middle of Edmund or wherever we were. And, yeah. But Mandy, we'd all, you know, there's two, three pound bass in those ponds and everyone was catching something and it was usually something else every single cast, but, uh, Oh, it was just a good way to spend a couple hours on a Sunday afternoon or, like you said, in the afternoon uh, on the way home from work and mm -hmm. a nice way to decompress. And there's just amazing accessibility these days. You know, our wildlife department has done just, in my opinion, a rock star job of educating people with the development of our fishing trails map and um, the close to home fishing deal yeah. that they have. You know, that's that's a all you need is a city stamp or city permit and phew, you're off to the races. Yeah, you can, you can go on your way, man. And they're stocked with trout, and some of them. And, mm -hmm. and what was that? Winter time, they'll yep. do a, a stocking. They've split it up into two different areas this year. It used to be just one place at Delisi, but uh, they're starting to spread it out a little bit, which I think is a great idea. Uh, make that access, uh, you know, for more folks and not just one area. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's all these ponds and creeks and definitely the subdivisions and that's just that's just right there in your backyard i mean yeah. everybody has knows somebody that's you know lives in some subdivision to fish steve your old house we took my raft out at your old house man <laughs> yeah we were I had my son and, and steve in my raft at his old house and we were Howling around this deal, catching little bass. You know? I mean, it was... we, we had to put it over our, over our head to get it over the fence. Oh, yeah. But we got it back to the back. There was a trespassing. Yeah. Yeah. This was fully legal. Clarify here. 100% legal. Yeah. He lived there and we weren't trespassing. You know? This time it was legal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, there's, there's so many opportunities. And I think it, sometimes people get this. Um, I, I'm guilty of it and you get going, right, in, in your day-to-day, -day and you forget. I, I tell these guys all the time, man, I tie a lot. I don't fish a lot, you know, and I want to fish more, mm -hmm. but sometimes circumstances dictate, you know, you, you may not be able to get on the water for whatever reason, but, yeah. 
you know, there's always that connection through something where you can, you know, tie some bugs up or go outside and cast your rod and practice up a little bit. So um, I think the biggest message that we want to send to people is, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a fly rod. That's what we promote because that's what we like to do. But if you want to put a bait caster on, get you a bucket of minnows or something and go out and, and do the thing, then, yeah. you know, go do it, you know. I, I, I'll be the first to say that there is a little bit of, you know, in fly fishing, it's, it's you got the purest, you know. I'm sure it's like that mm -hmm. golf, yeah. you know. And um, some guys don't believe in using conventional gear. I happen to be one of them. But I don't snob my nose at it because that's the way they like it. Yeah. If that's how you pursue your fish, hey, go for it. Me, I'd just rather do it with a fly rod. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, you know, just like in, you know, we keep referencing golf. You didn't have that shirt on. Sorry. Right. Stop talking, thinking about golf all the time. But, you know, guys really enjoy decompressing and just going to the range some days, right? You know, that same thing happens in fly fishing. We will throw some frizzies out in the yard or, you know, make a target of some kind or hang a hula hoop from a tree to help us, you know, work on stacking our loops so that, you know, we can, we have more, better accuracy. And, you know, some days, good 15, 20 minutes casting my rod can give me the same, you know, stress relief that spending a whole day on the river. Um, it's just doing something that's making me better that day. Uh, or when that day comes where I do get to go uh, fishing and whether that's here in my backyard or uh, some exotic location. Yeah. Um, but there's all these little little things you can do and um, they're all important, right? If we want to excel uh, when the day comes, when it's time to jump in that tournament or yeah. whatever it may be, right? Um, for us, our tournaments are usually involve the bow of a boat and uh, some good friends and a right. beautiful location, uh, not too different from a, a golf cart and a mm -hmm. nice, nice course. Yeah. Oh, and I think back, finishing up back to golf, the greatest saying that most people know is you don't have to be good to enjoy it. Right. Yeah. I think that absolutely. translates right to, to a lot of sports. And it sounds like it translates to fishing too. It's just the love of outdoors and being outside with your buddies, having a good time, you know, being competitive or not, like just, being out there around, you know, your mates is, is Man, something that the world opens up at 40 yeah. feet with a fly rod. Yeah. At 40 feet or 15 feet, whatever he's talking about, at the end of that fly line, that's where your world opens up. Mm -hmm. You know, like he mentioned, you know, if a guy can cast 15 feet, that could change his entire life, right? right? Or if you're in a boat, if you can cast beyond those oars mm -hmm. or at the oar, I mean, it, it just opens it up. I imagine like, yeah. I'm a horrible golfer. I go to Top Golf, man, and I think I'm freaking. That's why Top Golf's great, though. You know, I've been there with him <laughs> <laughs> at Top Golf. And let me tell you, though golf may translate to fly fishing, fly fishing may not <laughs> translate to golf based upon Dan's skill set with I the am, golf club. When I step on there, it's equally entertaining, though. Yeah, it's like yeah. woods, man. Yeah. I think that. Yeah. I think that. But I, it, it doesn't translate, not not at the least. Yeah. So. He, I think it was, I think it was your son's like twelfth or thirteenth birthday. Morgan. Yeah. 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 And let's just yeah. say, let's just say Dan rolls in with like six, twelve or thirteen year olds, and they, they're all showing him up. But his swagger up to the T. Oh, it's there. This, yeah. he, he's not kidding you when he tells you he thinks he's Tiger Woods. He thought he had it. He was laying money on the line. Listen, and he was getting worked. I was <laughs> my opposition was six 13-year-old boys that yeah. talk just as much crap as I did. Yeah. I did not win. He did not. <laughs> I did not win. I left him. Yeah. Uh, after I witnessed his skill set, exactly. I figured it's probably best if I get out of here. I don't ugly. need anyone to know that I know him. <laughs> this uh, is ugly. Yeah. This is bad. Uh, well, I mean, we could talk hours, and I hope one. I hope you guys have your own podcast for the store because that's a great way to tell stories and create content. I know we've <laughs> talked about that idea. as well. Um, well, and I mean, you don't have to PC it as much as you PC'd it today, so I you can well. say whatever you want. I, I but, am proud of you, too. Yeah, yeah, I did well. Fin yeah. Finishing up, where where can people go? Like, what's the you know, like website, social media stuff? Where can I link them to in the description that they can check this stuff out? And even if they're a novice like me that thinks this is going to be a great thing for me and my friends to get. 
get into, or this is something that you know a absolute master who may have just moved into the state needs to know about. Yeah, JD Adams Co. Uh, on Facebook or jdadams.co on Instagram. Uh, the website will launch seven to ten days from now. Um, we were uh, holding off as we got closer to the store to launch that, but it's just jdadamsco.com. Um, again, not turned on yet. Give us a, a few more days on that. And then again, by the time we, this goes out, it'll be turned on. Yeah, 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 it'll be there. I'll wait. And then uh, come get tickets, come hang out uh, March 24th at Cross Timbers Brewery. It is all ages. It's going to be outside on their big patio, which is covered uh, for the International Fly Fishing Film Festival. We've got um, three fly rods we're giving away and sunglasses and awesome. reels and fly line and uh so we originally thought we had about two thousand dollars worth of gear but i think that's uh about a little bit closer to almost three thousand dollars worth of gear that uh we have to raffle away that night so it'll that'll be a good time great opportunity for uh avid fly fishermen and people new to the sport to meet others who are passionate about fly fishing see some great films um some of them will be aspirational for for even guys like us who are go man that'd be cool to do one day and some of them are just going to be beautiful reminders about uh, how impactful fly fishing can be there's uh, some great um a couple of great films in there with some women this year which is always great to see uh, a more diverse representation in the fly fishing community Mm -hmm. but uh family friendly event kind of be our jump off and then we'll also be releasing uh with or helping uh, Cross Timber Brewery that night uh, release a new beer that they're coming out mm-hmm. with, uh, which will support public lands and waters in the state of Oklahoma. Yeah, so yeah. It'll be a good night, uh, and hopefully we'll see a bunch of people there. Awesome. Well, gents, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I'm going to have to swing back in here and see it when it's fully open, see how big that TV really is going to be. Uh, and for everyone listening, I'll put the links to the website and social media in the description, and we will catch you next episode. Cheers. This podcast was presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, who've been telling Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. Follow them online at OklahomaHOF.com and definitely on Instagram at OklahomaHOF. Catch you next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.